Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of In Star Trek We Trust, a Star Trek podcast. My name is Kevin, one of your hosts. And I'm Ethan, two of your hosts. And this week we are discussing The Least Dangerous Game, episode two of season three of Lower Decks. This episode was directed by Mike Mullen. Now, Mike Mullen is known for work on Jurassic World, Camp Cretaceous, many Kung Fu Panda shows, and that's all I want to mention. While the it is written by Garrick Bernard, who wrote for Solar Opposites, and that's all I want to mention of his writing. I never really took notice of this before, but... Uh, I think we were talking about this in the last episode, but it seems like a lot of the people that that are involved in either writing the show or directing the show have experience in the animation, um, with the animation genre, really, field. Um, I don't know if that was always the case. Um, I think because this is the first time with Lower Decks we're really kind of going through, you know, the sort of filmography of the people behind the scenes, but uh, it's not like a Vampire Diaries thing, right? <laughs> Right, right. Yeah. Because it's kind of interesting. I mean, I guess it makes sense, but, you know, there's, I, don't, I assume nothing that different about writing for an other than you're free to do more things. You're not limited yeah. by budget, I assume. But this was the least dangerous game, obviously, if anybody knows the short story, a play on the most dangerous game. Yes. It was sort of a little Dick Boimler being the least dangerous game. Yes, yes, and it was a wonderful, wonderful uh, moment. But we get a, um, yeah, we get some, a bit of an ensemble this week. It's, yeah. nobody's really the main focus, per se. Right. I think I might call it the least interesting episode, also. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think I, while I had some genuine laughs. Mm-hmm. I found it was mostly amusing. I was laughing on the inside, but I didn't really have yeah. a lot of, you know. There, were, I think there. Were, to find to choose my my um my what I thought was the funniest line because, you know. I'll be curious to see if your favorite line is a, is my is my favorite. Um, but that's what I found myself laughing at most was more kind of the throwaway lines or the throwaway, you know, scenes. Nothing to really do with the main plot made me laugh too much but um overall i mean i think it was a fairly strong entry i just i, I think of the three excuse me of the well, we're two in now with this one but um i don't think it was as strong as the uh as the opener but it was still it was still worth it was still good i still enjoyed it as they all are enjoyable but i i think because i feel like the show has sort of reached a you know at this point, they seem to know what works, what doesn't work. So they, they've definitely, at this point, had the whole thing really kind of figured out, right? But yeah, anyway, let's get into it. So we've got two plots going on this week. Boimler being the focus of one, Mariner being the focus of the other, and then you have Tendi and Rutherford kind of being supporting characters of each of those plots, respectively. Tendi, of course, is somewhat supportive of uh, being some, in the somewhat of the supportive side of Boimler's whereas Rutherford's is Mariner's but even then the two of them don't really get much to do this week so but right yeah they sort of set things in motion but they're not part of the action right much. but we're but with Boimler we're back to him wanting to 
get back on his path to becoming captain, feeling like he does everything right. This is all kind of ignited by them learning over a game of, as you say, <laughs> Dungeons and Klingons. Yes. That somebody who I th- who was his sort of contemporary got promoted to captain sort of out of circumstance. Got to take over for a captain, which I guess I'm just going to have to say because this was my favorite line. Uh, a friend of his became captain because the captain of the ship that he was on got hit by a temporal anomaly and turned into a baby. And so then he sort of inherited the captaincy. So I loved, again, that was sort of a throwaway line that I thought was really, really funny. <laughs> was that your favorite line or no? It was not. But it was not. No. Okay. What's the, what alien is this, um, the character who becomes captain? What's what? Bullion. He was Bullion. Okay. Yeah. Because, so, um, as you know, that uh, my wife just ran, sort of uh, marathoned her way through Next Generation. Yep. And so I was watching a lot of it with her, but not all the time. But there was a point when those aliens started showing up on Next Gen all the time. Like, just very prominently. And really... Uh, forcefully. Yeah. It was very strange. Well, the, the, the hard Enterprise... would be walking down the hall and one would just pop out of nowhere and be like, did you get the message I sent you? And they'd be like, oh, I'll look at it later. And then they'd walk away. The, the Enterprise D has a barber and he's a bullion. Yes. That, that might be... I, I could be wrong. That might have been the first time we see them. I might be wrong about that, but that could be yeah. it. Yeah. And then, yeah, we do yeah. see them... We've seen some. We see some on Voyager as well. So yeah, yeah. we get the impression they were real happy with that new design. They wanted to just and just wanted to keep it. using it. Yes, but yeah. So Boimler's plot this week is again he's going back to the path to wanting to become a captain. So with the news that his friend has become a captain, sort of out of circumstance, he's of course complaining. You know, what do you mean? I'm doing everything that's necessary to be a good officer. How come he's getting a captain and I'm not, how come he's becoming a captain? I'm not. So it's, it's sort of Tendy that sets him on this path. It's that he should not, it's actually a very Seinfeldian type of thing where he says, I'm just going to say yes to everything. It reminded me of the Seinfeld plot where George just, George just does the opposite. And I think it's like, it's sort of like saying yes to things, things he would normally would have said no to. And so, so, it just reminded me of that for some reason. And of course, with Boimler saying yes to everything, we get to see him in some pretty ridiculous situations. The, the singing of course was, uh, was my. Singing was person. nice. Yeah. That, that really strange racquetball that we've seen Picard play before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're at a point in this show now where when Boimler comes out and says, I'm just going to say yes to everything. We already know, intuitively know as viewers, this is not going to go down well. And you can just sort of imagine the ridiculous situation. So naturally, because it takes him into this whole plot of him being hunted, he just says yes. And so he's going to be getting hunted. And it was so much fun. I enjoyed it so much. And even as I'm watching this and just sort of laughing at this whole situation, I already knew in the back of my mind, without even seeing the episode, I was saying to myself, I know how this is going to end. It's going to end up not being anything dangerous at all. I mean, title aside, it's going to be something absurd at the end of it. And of course, that's actually what how it turned out. Did you, did you predict, though, that they would actually be hunting self? 
predictions. I don't think we could have No, I didn't predict that, but I knew that once we reached the end of this whole opus, that uh, it was just gonna it was gonna be something ridiculous. Yes. Yeah. Um I, and one of the highlights was we got to hear Boimler scream many times. Yes, many, many times. Six or so times. We even got a comment on it by another character, which I don't think we've heard before. Oh, did we? <laughs> I didn't uh, even notice. Yes, oh, yes. When they were the weird um, racquetball and Shax knocked him over and he said, oh, I'm impressed. And he thought it was with his racquetball or whatever it is playing. He said, oh, I'm impressed by your sustained scream. <laughs> And that's why he recruits him for the uh, dirge, the sad dirges. Yes. Yes. Um, it was quite one led to the next, led to the next. What were your thoughts on, I guess, Boimler's whole situation in this in this episode? I mean, for me, it just felt like, yeah, it's definitely a Boimler situation. Like, absolutely. A clever idea that he realizes his sort of being the perfect student, so to speak, isn't working so yeah um he'll just try doing everything uh and it actually works out pretty good for him it was interesting too to see how dismissive he was at first because he's so focused on being the perfect student so to speak that um he's kind of not willing to be distracted when uh it's true that a lot of life is you know networking and schmoozing and meeting people so there's a, there's a real life lesson in there too, but it's wrapped up in hilarity. He, um, one second. I must say that the character who is hunting Boimler, Crunch, Crunch, yeah. Crunch, Crunch, a new species originating now on Lower Decks. We've not seen this, this alien species before. Absolutely fantastic design. I was really yeah. into the design of this character. Yes. I know I, I think he would most fit with me on the animated series. Yeah. Yes. Some yeah. Absolutely. He would make a lot of sense. Something about his face and his weird mouth. No, I agree. Like, because I remember when I was, I had that thought when I first began watching the episode. Um, in fact, I think it was at the end of the Ready Room last week. Because the Ready, they don't do an episode of the Ready Room every week for lower decks they just they'll just do it for like the premiere and i think maybe mid-season and then the end but they were showing a preview for this episode at the end of the ready room and i just i had seen crunch walking around in the background and it wasn't clear at first if he was going to actually be speaking to boiler but like he really stood out i was like and the design was just utterly fantastic and i i had a similar thought i said this feels like i could see this on the animated series i think i think it was it was a very, it's the color palette, I think. Like, there was something about the color palette, you know, somewhat about the design as well. But, yeah, it definitely felt like it fit in to the animated series, absolutely. And we've seen them take things from the animated series and bring them into Lower Decks, and they mesh really, really well. I mean, we saw them bring in the same species that Arix was. I mean, we, and we literally saw Kirk and Spock as their animated series counterparts shown on a pad in this series. So they, they're able to kind of make the crossover, I think, between the two shows, the two styles of the shows, pretty seamlessly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the character was really fun. I love the idea that also, you know, uh, the nice defining expectations that good comedy does where it's set up yep. 
he's this cold-blooded killer, but he was out having mimosas with the captain earlier in the day. So not co- not exactly uh, everything um, that characters seem on the surface. I think, um, you know, the other thing was, so it makes me wonder about Boimler, where Boimler is going to go, right? I mean, I know that he was sort of complaining about Again, his friend getting promoted to captain and saying, like, you know, how come I never get opportunities like this? And I thought to myself, surely you have the context there to mention the Titan, which I thought was odd because, I mean, that seemed to be, like, quite the opportunity for him. And I don't know, it it seemed odd to me that that wasn't brought up. I mean, because that was definitely a big deal for him. And as I was saying even back then when he was brought back to the Cerritos after the fact, I said, well, where do we go with him now? He seems to have, because if you recall, I mean, he said that getting a posting on the Titan was basically his dream job. So he achieved it. It wasn't what he hoped it would be. He's brought back to the Cerritos. And so now I'm thinking, well, now what? Now what do we Right, I really like that Tendi gave him the advice, essentially like not to do everything everyone suggests, but try something different. Try something different, right. In the stance department but now she is and she loves it but he sort of couldn't hear that he just saw everything as another means to right command i think what the show is managing to do with boimler's plot in this episode and maybe hopefully going forward is that being getting promoted to captain while yes you may have those situations that happened with his friend right it's not just about doing well, being on time, right? Carrying out your duties. There's more to it than that. And we've seen, you know, we've seen those situations in the past where where it's been, remember like when he was joining when, last season when he was getting involved with the uh, the red shirts who try to help themselves get promoted, yeah. but he made that huge speech. Yeah. And he made that great speech at the end and mm-hmm. Ransom noticed him. So it was things like that. So I, I, I don't want them to, you know, just make sure that we we stay the course with that. Yeah, right? don't keep resetting. Don't what? Don't keep resetting him back to... Right. See, that's what I was afraid of. That's what I that's what I got a little nervous about. I felt like there was a somewhat of a minor reset. I know the show is not about telling a season-long story arc, but they definitely have arc-based character stories, kind of like the way Strange New World is set up. Yes, and Mariner is certainly the continuing Mariner's uh, line of story. Right. I just, yeah, to your point, I don't, um, that's that's a good word to use for him. Reset, like don't reset his path in every episode. In my head, what I thought was, I I decided that, well, he wants to rise up within the, the Cerritos structure. He doesn't want to go to another ship and have to do it right. under a different, you know, command style. He likes where he is and he wants to right. rise up there. That's- well, and I and I also thought to myself, when I think back to his time on the Titan, which again, as he said, that's my dream job, right? The crew, it was just weird, right? The crew he was there with, they were very... It was unlike anything he had experienced before. So it wasn't, it was sort of like a Wesley Crusher situation when Wesley got to the Academy. He always wanted to go to the Academy, but then once he got there, the feeling was, well, what if I get to the Academy and it just sucks? 
And it kind of did. It wasn't everything that he hoped it would be. Which is exactly what happened on the Titan. So in a way, right. even though... Right. I was a little hard to... Say what? If you, know the, if you know the right personality for Riker's command style, it's a right. tough to take. I think I'm looking at it too much as sort of like this linear path when really, even though he may have reached the Titan, having been there and then getting put back to the Cerritos maybe helped him grow a little bit to say, well, maybe that's not what I, at least not that ship, right? Because so, he was just so anxious to get there that maybe he jumped the gun and left the Cerritos too quickly, right? So, Agreed. yeah. But I love his plot being hunted and some really great laughs. And I, I liked how it ended, as I said. I knew it was going to end in some ridiculous fashion, and of course it did. It all led up to him just being, just um, having a selfie taken. As he tries well, first to... getting ear to shoulder. Yeah, well, for exactly, because he's trying to turn the tables and turn the hunter into the hunted and just... I really do like that the... He gives him the notes. Yeah, I have some notes. You know, the hunter yeah. always tries to become. You have to do something. You can't just announce it. That, the hunter. that that made that gave me a really good laugh. He's like, "You were great." He said, "Like you have great prey, but I have notes." Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny because he was very convincing. He was. Hunter has and then he he didn't attack. But you know what it was? I, again, as I'm watching this, even all of these like oh, the, even like the over the top moment where he's like in his quarters in the dark with the candles on and just putting like war paint on his face, and I'm just like, this is all an act. This is all gonna. This is not gonna amount. This is gonna amount to something ridiculous. I just know it is. This is all so over the top, and I just know this is going <laughs> to be something ridiculous. And even though I was right, I wasn't disappointed. Yes. Yes. And another very funny moment was the fact that when he tells the captain, she calls security. You know, like that's normally what would happen if you right. saw a guest on the ship was hunting one of the crew members. But right. then, no, actually, he's a nice guy, and you promise, so you have to deal with it. I, it was again, you know, and I think this is when we have. I've got some real kind of like synergy between myself and the show at this point, where you know we're t we're we've got two seasons behind us. We're two episodes into the third season. We love this show. We love these characters. I know them. I know them, and I know the show well enough to know how probably how certain things be able to guess how certain things might be able to go. And again, even though I was sort of, I mean, I wasn't. I didn't get the details right, but I just knew it's going to end in some ridiculous way. I wasn't disappointed that I was right. I was actually very happy that I was right. It was just because it just. I think it's a testament to how much I like the show. I'm like, I just know how this is going to go down for him. I just know it's going to be something ridiculous. Yeah, and even know, even somewhat being able to predict it, there's still plenty of surprises. Yeah, absolutely. Funny. I mean, even when he went to Freeman, as you were saying, and he says I'm being hunted, and she goes like, "What? Not on my ship!" And then she calls security. I said, "She's gonna, she's gonna belay that somehow. Something's gonna happen. She's gonna." And then, of course, that's exactly what happened. And then, and then he comes around the corner on the ceiling, and she's like, "Oh, good one." <laughs> yeah. Yeah, quite, quite a yeah, quite a fun, fun storyline. It was, it was great, and I just, again, I loved the whole. Uh, you know, you were excellent prey, but I have notes. Yes, yes. And honestly, um, Mariner's storyline was pretty fun too, or, or parts of it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we're kind of we're going back to the storyline of her being 
put under Ransom's watchful eye this season. And again, we're kind of, we sort of revisit the thread of where, where she wants to do something and he says, no, just let the, let the, uh, what is he like? Let, it's sort of like, let the, let the system work. Let the, have faith in the system. There was a, there was a version of that in this, in this episode. She was sort of reminded of that again, which makes me wonder what they're going to, what they're going to be doing with her this season. Is this going to just continually come up? Yeah. Fairness to her, she was right. She was right. She was right. Yeah, and, and it was a, it was just dumb luck that they made it back in time. Right. I, so. The, so her plot is that they have to, you know, they're over this planet and they have to fix a space elevator, as they're referring to it as. Which had callbacks to a specific episode of Voyager called uh, Rise, which had a similar plot. Not a very good episode. The season three okay. plot, but they had to fix a... Uh, they're trapped in this space elevator as this planet is getting bombarded by asteroids. It's not a very exciting episode at all. But there some were some... callbacks to the Abrams-verse. So, yeah, the, right, the, the sky jumping. There was also... There were a couple of throwaway lines to uh, an episode of Next Generation, a first season episode of Next Generation, like these people who are really fit and all they do is run. That's oh, a yeah. that's Remember a first that. season episode. Yeah, but I think um, I didn't find Mariner's plot as interesting. I was, I mean, I went along with it. Obviously, I, it was enjoyable, but I didn't find it as fun as Boimler's. Really. See, the thing is, I found. Um, I found Rutherford's side of it very funny. Yeah. The check-ins on Rutherford were hilarious. They were, yes. Um, He's down on this pleasure planet getting treated wonderfully by the locals. It's more and more great, and then suddenly (laughs) the check-ins are getting worse and worse. Right, right. It was quite nice. And then it becomes Uh, a full-blown crisis. Yes. And the fact that, just as uh, Mariner had predicted... The only reason she was fixing uh, the elevator with uh, Ransom is because Ransom wanted to not let her have the fun part of the mission. Yeah, right. Which makes total sense and, you know, is totally in character. Um, What did you think of the end? How sort of Ransom's physique ended up being the resolution to the whole crisis? That's pretty funny. Well, you, you respect... What is it like self-care and, and health? Right. And so he just... Uh, look at my chest. Oh, we must listen to this man. He clearly understands our ways. Yeah, I th- that, was, that was fun. I love... Because Rutherford and I forget that the chief engineer were about to be uh, thrown into a pit of lava. A talking pit of lava, mind you. Which I just thought was so wonderful. And had very... A lot of echoes of the original series, right? Literally echoes of the original series. Because it, it had like the voice had this very sort of echoed sound effect to it. But every time it spoke, like, you know, the flames would just become, would just come shooting out of the pit. And I loved when he took his shirt off. He just went, Ooh, and you just saw like some flames. It's like one <laughs> bit of flame just jet out from, from underneath. Yes. It was very funny. And it was also, I really enjoyed Ransom relaying line what to do to them. Just, just get a parlay with their leader. It's fine. <laughs> As if it's all very simple. I think so. There, here's where my favorite, my what I thought was the funniest line was when Rutherford responded, "Their leader is either an ancient god or a telepathic baby. They're kind of dancing around." 
because you know it's one of the great jokes that makes you think about trying the scene where he's asking them who their leader is and somehow they're implying well it could be an ancient god or it might be this telepathic baby right it could be <laughs> right because they're holding this child yeah it's extremely original series both leaders unbelievable unbelievably so yeah the show <laughs> the show has managed to really tap into a lot of the kind of campiness let's say of the original series um yeah <laughs> which yeah. Telepathic baby. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing just thinking about it. Well, it's because, you know what it is? Again, it's these sort of throwaway lines that are just very much spoken, like just highlighting the ridiculousness of the, of the universe in a lot of ways that yeah. you would They're probably see. Both the ancient god and the telepathic baby. Right. And an evil computer, which was a, a surprise. Which just kind of suggests that they've encountered both many many times so yeah it could and so they're just they're pros at this at this point so yeah, yeah. It, it could be one of those depending i'm yeah, not sure i'm very surprised by the fact that those are the options but it's boiled down to those two specific options right they do all this like they yeah. do all these they're calculations they're not quite they're giving us they won't quite say which it is yeah but again you know at the very at the end of the day i mean both plots really came down to respecting each you know respecting these people's values beliefs which is again what star trek is about when it comes to these other alien cultures right i mean despite the fact that boimler being hunted by this guy it's very dangerous you know he thought he was going to get killed the captain said you know you have to respect his culture which obviously is felt at that time it was somewhat inconvenient for him because he thought he was actually going to get physically you know literally killed by this person but no but yeah you and she's just allowing him to do what he needs to do because that's what his people that's what his people do mm-hmm. and i think a, another one of the themes could be like knowing your when you know your own skill set yeah you, you can you can be your best self because um what would Ransom said, just demand that you parlay with their leader. You just know, you, we know Rutherford, we know Rutherford's personality. He's not going to be able to pull that off. He's not going to be able to demand to parlay with the leader and have no. him believe him. He's so timid. But then, of course, when Ransom says it with his shirt off, uh, how can you refuse him? <laughs> so, right, Ransom has the confidence and the cockiness and the self-assuredness to make that work. So perhaps Boimler needs to realize that he does not have that. Well, and I am... When I when I see the episodes like this, I mean, I am I am endlessly amazed at how the show is able to really walk that line between being very funny, but also being very poignant, and also I guess it's two lines really, um, walk uh, telling us really genuine Star Trek stories once again in typical lower decks fashion we say this meaning it with praise that we can see these plot lines being done on the other shows which just means that they're doing they're doing genuine star trek stories right typically in the past when i've said that about the other shows i don't really mean that in the best way because as i've always said where i find a lot of where a lot of these individual shows work best is when you tell a story that you could only tell on that show but Lower Decks manages to 
I think when Lower Decks does it, it's totally fine because I think because they're coming at it, the show's an entirely different tone than the other shows, right? The other ones sort of follow a similar a similar tone. Lower Decks does not follow the same tone. It comes at it in a more humorous way, which just tells you that even though, yes, you could see these plots done on The Next Generation or any of the other shows, they would take it far more seriously. But Lower Decks manages to come at it I can't even imagine it. So Picard has to do uh, some kind of a diplomatic meeting with the people they're trying to get into the Federation. They yeah. don't fully like, they're getting to know them. They don't know them that well. So he goes for the ceremony, right? And he accidentally agrees to be hunted. <laughs> and then mm-hmm. there's like a ionic storm so they can't beam him back. And then he has to deal with it on the planet. I think that would be a very interesting sort of thought experiment for us. Where it was like, if we were to take an episode of Lower Decks... And, and say, okay, let's imagine this as an episode of The Next Generation. How would this go down? In a serious way. I think that would be a really fun thing to try sometime. Be very fun. So... Sec- a new segment. Okay, since we've already said our favorite lines, I know we typically break that into, into its own segment, but sometimes when we're talking about the episode in context... The plot in context, if if they uh, if it comes up, that's when I'll bring it up. So again, just to kind of reinforce my, you know, favorite line is the reference to the captain being of that other ship being <laughs> hit with a temporal anomaly and then turning into a baby, which I thought was just again a fantastic throwaway line. Excellent, and mine was also a throwaway line when Rutherford says, "Their leader is either an ancient god or a telepathic baby." They're yeah. kind of dancing around. Two two of our favorite lines involve babies. Let's just let me just let me just say that. Um, so back onto the uh, into our Easter egg section. As again, as I used to call it the continuity watch, but I should call it Easter eggs. So this episode actually marks the return of Martok, who we saw at the beginning in the uh, dungeons and Klingons or um, Batleths and I forget what they were calling it, but it, yeah, I mean it's like Dungeons and Dragons. And then mentioning that there's a Gowron expansion pack, which I thought was great. Um, <laughs> the sport they are playing was actually called Spring Ball, and it was seen for the first time on Deep Space Nine, actually. Uh, okay. Yeah, so this was uh, something that was taken from the uh, from canon. Um, let me just go through. You know, we mentioned the skydiving, you know, it had all of those. It just felt like a total nod to Star Trek 2009. Um, Very much like the TNG episode Family, we didn't see the bridge of the Cerritos in this episode. We didn't see the bridge of the Enterprise in the episode Family either, which I thought was uh, interesting. Ah, it makes sense, though, to not see the bridge in Nord X. It should happen more often. It's true, because that's, you know, that's the name of the show. So those are the big ones that uh, that sort of jumped out at me. So, but I think overall a a, a, a highly enjoyable episode. Um, I think, but I think depending on how the season, the rest of the season goes, I don't know if I would. You know, maybe I'm just getting ahead of myself. I don't know if I would maybe call this a highlight of the season. But again, it, it just depends on how the remaining eight episodes go. Yeah, I think it's just it was good, clean fun. But yes, I don't expect this to make any highlight reels. 
Yep. Any um clip show appearances. Any hope any hope for next week? What's it called? No, I should know that. I'm the person that does that. Hold on. Mining the mines mines. Uh maybe there'll be a mind meld. That's all I got. With the Vulcan with the Vulcan girl we want to come back. No, I mean it's called mining the mines mines. There's yeah. enough mining in there that a mind meld would make sense. Hmm. That's my best guess. Um, all right. Well, that's going to do it for us this week. We're going to be back next week to discuss episode three of Lower Decks, season three. And uh, until then, you can reach out to us on Twitter at Star Trek We Trust, and you can follow us on Instagram at In Star Trek We Trust Podcast. And if you want to email us, please do in Star Trek We Trust at gmail.com. But until then, we'll see you next week.